Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. My guest today is Dr. Oni. Dr. Oni, please introduce yourself. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Um, so I'm Oni Blackstock. I'm a primary care and HIV doctor, a researcher, a public health advocate, and I would also consider myself an activist. All right. So we start this um, conversation always the same time asking two questions. Why is it important to cause a scene and how are you causing a scene? Right. So in terms of causing a scene, so I think about causing a scene would be maybe about like sort of disrupting the status quo uh, or like what the norm is. Um, and so I think it's important to do that because um, we sort of, I think just as a society, as a culture, aren't really where we need to be in terms of sort of being in alignment with, you know, like true values. Um, and so for me, causing a scene is, has been, I've been sort of part of the establishment, the status quo for a very long time in terms of like, being a physician, going to medical school, do my residency training, doing sort of all the different steps that are typically required. But I've now sort of broken out of that where I've actually just left my job. Um, I resigned from my job at the New York City Health Department um, month before last because I was not feeling like I was sort of living the authentic life that I wanted to. And I'm on a, a path now um, to, to find that wh- that which is inside of me. So that is for me what disrupting a scene is, no longer going along with what is sort of expected of me and what is the status quo and sort of pursuing my own sort of authentic um, interests. Ooh, all right. So I can tell you, this is, I often say, regularly say, <laughs> if not daily, um, Black women are the moral compass of this country. And the fact that you quit a job to uh, pursue your authentic life says so much about who we are and the work we do. So if you could just tell us what that authentic, what does that, what does that look like? I mean, because for a physician to who have gone, who has been a member of the establishment of the status quo to say, and, and this may come out later, but my first thoughts are, <sighs> I often have to push back on people who think it's just the rich or 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 the powerful that are um, harming the most vulnerable, and not all these systems. And so, for a per- person who's coming from a public health research space to say that they weren't living their uh, authentic life and had to step away from that. I don't need you to give details unless, you know, this is uh, your space. You tell the story, but I want people to understand because everybody, people think in binaries. They think it's either right or wrong, good or bad, off and on. And it's only this group of people. And I'm like, no, the whole fucking systems, all of them are are, are fucked up. So tell, talk about this. You're the first person who I know is in pub was in, you know, a public health position. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I hear you. So I think I may, I just sort of think like, even just going back to my youth, just the way that I was raised, you know, my mother was, um, is, was from, is from Brooklyn. She was raised by a single mother, like on welfare, along with her like five siblings. And I, you know, she worked in credit, she worked really hard. She was able to make it from Brooklyn college, um, which is like one of the, the Harvard of the city university of New York system to, um, Harvard Medical School. And I think she, you know, she moved on and she really played by the rules. She, she also met my dad. They bought a, uh, you know, able to buy a, a home. I mean, all these things that she and my father didn't have as children, they were able to acquire. And I think, you know, the whole thing of, of just trying to putting your head down, like working hard, you know, they also did cultivate in me a sense of like service to the community and the importance of advocacy and activism as well. But I think the expectation was always just to like continue continue on that path. Um, you know, just going, I went to Stuyvesant High School, which is like the premier high school in New York City, science high school. I went to Harvard undergrad. <laughs> I was a computer science and pre-med major. Um, you know, my mother died when I was in, um, 
in college. Um, and that was probably the most devastating thing that happened to me. And I think should have been an opportunity to like reset, but my mother never, no one ever said to me, only just stop and take a break. And my sister and I found a letter that my mom wrote to us after, um, she died. She died, um, after my uh, sophomore year of, um, college and the letter said you know to take care of your of each other take care of your dad take care of you know this member that member of the family um but go on and pursue go on to medical school and pursue your studies it wasn't like girl I want you to take this time I know this is going to be really traumatic so it was always this expectation just to continue on that treadmill um so I did take a year off after college um and then but not it wasn't really a year off I was I was teaching it, it wasn't it wasn't relaxation and rest um, and then I went on to Harvard Medical School, went on to residency, went to Yale for basically just stayed on this path because I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought it actually was a good thing that I had been through this very traumatic experience and was able to be like, look, I was able to graduate, you know, from college as a computer science major and a pre-med and do all of these things. I thought these things showed my strength. Um, and so then I went into academia and was doing academic, just HIV research um, among you know, in black and brown communities, figuring out how we can get folks um, engaged in care, coming to their appointments. I was applying for grants, doing all of that. Um, you know, I thought I was like, look, I'm doing, the, I'm doing the thing. I'm living the life. This is a dream. You know, I'm getting grants and everything. Um, and then this opportunity came up, um, to go into the New York city health department to lead the Bureau of HIV there, um, which is the Bureau of HIV is probably the most well-funded bureau in the city, probably about $200 million budget. Um, and I now have this opportunity to lead this. So leave, even leaving academia to go to public health to work for government, and it doesn't sound like a big thing, but is actually a big thing. So I left all the grants that I had worked so hard for and apply, I applied for, worked hard, reapplied for. I left those, went to this new job, um, and it was amazing. I got to um, do a lot in terms of shifting the organizational culture there, um, making people feel appreciated and recognized, but I also worked for my supervisor was this white gay man who would not allow me to inhabit my position. I was constantly in his shadow. I was constantly undermined and humiliated. Um, and I was trying to figure out, do I stay here and try to do this good work and this, and, you know, work with our community partners to end this HIV epidemic? Or do I like extract myself from this very toxic environment where I'm not able to to sort of like reach my full potential because this man in this larger system is staying in the way. And so the COVID pandemic hit and I was working my job as assistant commissioner. I was working my job as um, in the COVID-19 response for our city, for our health department. And then I was crisis homeschooling my child. And I was like, this is not sustainable in any way. Um, and I also don't want to be working somewhere where I can't be like my, my true self. Um, and I can't do, I, I, I just felt like I was just being so limited. And I, so I decided I was going to resign and I, I didn't have a, I don't have a job lined up. I mean, I feel like I have all these other skills. So I, I feel like the, I had someone very special in my life who came into my life, my life last year um, is no longer in my life, but they've taught me a lot of things and they, you know, and about abundance and how the universe will provide. And so I said, I said, I'm going to leave this job and I know that other doors will open for me. And so, um, and, and that has slowly happened mm -hmm. and I feel, I feel really good at my decision. I've had no regrets <laughs> resigning and not having a, you know, landing in another job. Yeah. So I know I've gone on a lot, but, um, mm -hmm. but just. <laughs> oh, no, 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 so no, please. No, no, no. Because I've, because I'm taking notes because you've said so much here and this is, so I want to, um, say I'm happy you did that because you came on my radar only in the last month and a half or so. So well, it's like, part of that is we're on Twitter together. Yes. And part of that is because when I was working at the health department, I was muzzled. Yes, exactly. Like I couldn't, I couldn't always, I couldn't be like, again, just really honest and like forthright about like my views on things. Mm -hmm. And I had a number of times where I was like slapped, you know, got my hand slapped because there were things I tweeted about that, you know, the powers that be didn't think were, was appropriate. Oh, see this, you cannot muzzle black women. This is, this <laughs> is the problem. The, the so much quantitative and qualitative knowledge comes from us. And 
Tim, hmm. Okay, so you said some some really interesting past. So again, this is like us sitting over cocktails. Okay. So where the hell we go in this hour is up to us. But some points that I really wanted to point out was I put expectations in quotes because what I hear from you is what a generation of Black parents and Black people did. They were told that if you follow this thing, you will succeed, not understanding or understanding and still trying to play the game um, that this shit is rigged. There's no amount of you putting your head down and assimilating is ever going to make you equal to anybody white. Um, I mean, the fact that you went to Stivers, the fact that you went to Harvard, yeah, I mean, you, I put down privilege and elite. You are the privileged and elite of the privileged and elite. And you still did not have the same equal experience as your white counterparts. Oh, and I also put down white gay men, and I'm one, I'm gonna bring come back to that. But um, I loved what the the point you're about the abundance and the um, manifestations um, because I started that path a long time ago, and that's the only way I could be doing the work that I'm doing. Um, I intentionally stopped focusing on money. I made an intentional choice of an experience in, that I had in Germany in 2019 when I was at um, um, JSConf EU that was in Berlin, Germany, run by a great team. And for the first time, a very large conference in tech um, decided to do a, have a BIPOC space. And that is, for people who don't know, it's a Black, Indigenous, people of color space. Just a space for us. This space was so small compared to the fucking warehouse that we were in and yet white people were trying to force themselves in and just the horror and the harm and the trauma that was caused to anybody particularly those black people who were had to man the door to try to explain to white people that this one little space of all of this is not for you was so traumatic and I just came back and I said you know what I cannot focus on getting paid um because again going back to abundance and that prosperity thinking money is just a tool for exchange and i was like what is what am i trying to get with that money and it's power and influence i want the power and influence to be able to change an industry there are a lot of people with money who have no power and influence um and when you have power and influence you don't need money doors open for you places that you, that money can't buy so i so commend you for doing that because it's it's such a brave scary step to step out of, you know, you've spent years getting this training. You've spent, I mean, I, I, I don't know what your financial situation, but like anybody, um, anybody else, you probably have a shitload of student loans. I don't know what that looks like, but it's, you've done this and you've said in, even in that, and this is what I'm, cause I'm teasing this out because my audience is white people. And so I'm teasing this out. So even in this folks, even in, in, in having this 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 idealized life that white supremacy said on the outside perfect and yet she chose had felt the need for her own well-being that she had to walk away from this and, and walk away without without a job and this is why i get pissed at white people because you will barely do you don't even do the bare minimum so much y'all can do that you wouldn't even lose your job you wouldn't even be in 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 jeopardy of losing your job but you're so fucking scared to do anything that you put it on the most vulnerable and we have to end up walking away from things with nothing just to have our own sanity. And that's why I'm, I'm honing in, I'm going in on this because I shouldn't, um, she only shouldn't have to leave a profession she loves because of white folks, of, of white systems, institutions, and policies that are in place. And I want to get back to this white gay thing um, because this is why I have a problem with um, white trans women, um, white passing Jews, um, white passing Latinx, um, white passing anybody. Um, but particularly this same thing happens. I see it in white. This is why, um, with the Stonewall, everybody wants to, wants to embrace and talk about how Stonewall was the beginning of the, um, the gay rights movement. Stonewall was the beginning of the gay rights movement because white men would not let trans women into their spaces. White men, white trans women, White passing Jews, 
whiteness anywhere is anti-blackness. And I need y'all to understand this. So no, I don't trust you at all. You have one marginalization, but when you come in, and I've I've done talks about this, when you center your whiteness, your marginalization goes out the window because now you're causing harm because you are leveraging your whiteness in a space that causes harm. This is what I need you to think about. So white trans women and men and white non-binary individuals, when you come into black and brown spaces that were created because they were not allowed in these white spaces and you want to dictate how those spaces should be run, you are centering your whiteness and you're causing harm. Gay white men, <laughs> I don't see no different from um, than regular straight men to me. You're just, you, you are as harmful as cis white men. So I don't see, it's just who you love. I, I, I don't see a difference in there. Um, Um, White passing Jews, when you come in and you center your whiteness, you cause harm to black and brown Jewish individuals. They do exist and you cause harm to those individuals. Um, White passing Latinx, you do the same thing for your your darker skin, um, um, black Latinx folks. We have to stop centering, well, not me. Y'all have to stop centering your whiteness because you are causing harm. So I want to, I I really want to tease that out. Um, yes. I don't know where we're going to go with this, but we're just going to no. go. <laughs> no, it's true. I think I think James Baldwin, he has this quote, which is not coming to my mind, but it's specifically about white gay men, about how they feel like some something unjust has been done to them because they are white men, but by being gay, then they have to deal with homophobia, but how dare they have to deal with that because they're white. So, mm-hmm. But, he, but mm-hmm. he says it in a obviously very eloquent um, <laughs> way, but it always struck me. And, uh, and you know, I was, you know, I was in a position where... Um, I really had to advocate for myself. You know, this, my, my supervisor had previously been in my role and he was promoted to be head of the entire division. So I was leading, leading this bureau, um, but I was constantly, constantly being un- undermined. There were every press inquiries that came in went straight to him. Whereas when he was in my position, he got the press inquiries, but the white men who were in the press office sent the inquiries directly to him mm-hmm. and continued to do so after. And he me. didn't correct them and say, exactly. Hey, mm-hmm. Exactly. So then I had to, I had to speak up for myself. I'm the, I had to, nobody looked out for me. There was no one in, but my, my, my staff. No, I'm going to stop you. Stop you. I'm going to stop you right there. Yes. I'm going to stop you right there. Cause I need to breathe. Cause <laughs> what you just hit just said, just hit me in my chest. And this is why I say what black women are the moral compass of this country. Who do we have to rely on? My answer is always other black women and we're tired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're tired. And this is why I have consciously made a decision that I will not be, if there is a, a qualified black woman to provide me any service, they will come ahead of anybody. I do not trust whiteness enough to be that close to me anymore. I'm not defaulting to, oh, but I'm going to give you a chance. Nope. I'm not defaulting to, I trust everybody until they prove me wrong. No, because I've learned that by the time you prove me wrong, you've caused me harm. Mm -hmm. Um, I need people to sit with what you just said because you were in a position and nobody advocated for you. This is not a unique position. Nobody, nobody. I had someone who I considered a mentor who was at my um, at this sort of same position in the hierarchy as my supervisor. And even that person, I, you know, I look back, I'm like, this person could have spoken to him mm. about what my experience was. Um, you know, I even shared it with a former commissioner who was there and, you know, person came up with excuses for, for, um, excusing for, for his behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, There's always, yeah. always the hero or victim, never the villain. Exactly. And so, you know, I felt, I really, you know, I decided that I was going to resign after like two and a half years. And, you know, when I told my supervisor, he asked if it had anything to do with him. And I kind of spoke generally about, you know, sort of the challenge, you know, there was lack of clarity and leadership who's <laughs> leading different initiatives. I did feel like I was in his shadow, but I didn't speak about how I felt. Mm-hmm. And then this, it was a few weeks before George Floyd was murdered by the police. Then the social uprisings happened. And I really felt just so emboldened by what was going on mm-hmm. that I asked to speak to him again. And I said, and I spoke to him on the phone and I said, you know, I want to be, I want to be completely honest with you. Um, 
while I understand this was not your intention, this was the impact of your actions on me. This, this, these actions, and I listed, and it wasn't even a comprehensive list, all of these actions left me feeling humiliated and demoralized. I could not fully inhabit my role. If you were not going to allow whoever to, you know, to be in that position to fully inhabit the role, then you should have just been straight up from the beginning and said, you know, you're going to come in and do this role, but I'm going to be right there with you. And you're not going to get any of the acclaim or any of the recognition. If someone had told me that from the get-go, I would have known what I was gotten into, was getting into, it probably wouldn't have gone. Um, but I was like, just be, just be honest about what the reality is. Everyone in the hashtag called the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtagcausescene.com. Um, but I was like, just be, just be honest about what the reality is. Because it's like a lot of gaslighting. Mm -hmm. The only good thing, though, was that I was able to push forward tons of equity work within the 300-person bureau mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I led. Um, and we started having white affinity spaces for our white staff to develop their anti-racist competencies. Mm -hmm. We were creating spaces for you know, our staff of color. We were able to review. We get, as I mentioned, $200-plus million from the city and the state and the, and the CDC and the federal government to fund HIV prevention treatment. And I said, we're going to have to change this process. We need to make sure that these funds, you know, it's in a competitive process, go towards go to organizations that have leadership that's reflective of people who are impacted by HIV. People who are actively, yes. So, so much, so much change in terms of our request for proposals process. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You know, I had all my leadership through undoing racism training. We had other health, we had other equity folks coming in and working with folks. So this a lot more attention was turned inward in terms of workplace equity stuff and the work we did in the community. And because my boss was off doing other stuff, I could really move that forward. And that that work in of itself got me recognition and attention. And I'm not doing it because for recognition and attention. It's just that there's so oh, much. Please don't that I, no, don't don't explain <laughs> that. You deserve recognition and attention. Right. Forget it. Don't try to see that. Don't try to make it small. The work you were doing comes with recognition and attention. Right. And so you should have been getting that recognition and attention. But I want to also point out how this is the problem. And I, the reason I'm teasing this out, because I have an upcoming workshop, um, how to be um, being anti-racist at work, because I get all the time uh, folks, um, white folks point to other, it's them. It's not me. I've never, no, you just not have, have not heard a black person tell you mm -hmm. the shit you've done to mm -hmm. them because they don't feel safe because they might lose their job. They might use their network. They might trust me when I tell you white people, you have all done some racist shit at work that has caused harm to black people, period. There is no guest. There is no them. That is you. We y'all, it is collective. And it took, as Dr. Oni just said, it took her to get emboldened by George Floyd to tell her story. Because you probably would have walked away and said nothing. Mm -hmm. So we end up even in when, so this is what gets me when people are like, oh, well, we've done 360 um, evaluations. These people ain't telling you the damn truth. Because right. they don't feel safe. People do not feel if safe. No, if you don't have welcoming and psychological safety, they are going to tell you what they want that you, they know you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm so that you can get the hell off their back so that people like Dr. Oni can now go and do the work that she needs to do in her job. <laughs> totally. And you know what I realized? I realized I was doing all this emotional labor for him. Mm -hmm. Like I was holding inside all the humiliation, all the demoralization, all, all of what I, all of what I was experiencing. And I said, why am I holding on to this? He did this to me. And this is why I said they need to learn to manage their feelings, get, get therapy, do whatever the hell you need to, but do not bring that bullshit to us because we have enough because just by no one had to tell you. To, to, to protect his feelings. No one told you that, but you knew that was a part of the job. Because right, I knew I wouldn't be safe. And can, and can, and can I tell you, and I'm not, I don't want to go into details, but uh -huh, uh -huh. what's so important for, that for white folk and, and anybody in leadership, but particularly white folk in leadership, when you have um, someone that you supervise or work with, a person of color, black person, tell you about their experience, their tra traumatizing experience, don't cry. Hold space for that person. 
hold space for that person because that's emotional maturity. If you start, if you start crying and you flip it on, you know, and you start talk centering yourself, that is not helpful at all. Well, this is, and that's, that's, that's trauma. That's what that is. You. You're exacerbating. You are, you are taking their trauma and, 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 and turning up a notch. This is why I don't like I, white folks need to stop sharing damn videos of black people being killed by the police. How many of those you need to see? It happens. You don't need any more proof. Stop traumatizing people. And also it goes back to when I say spot the pattern people. Whiteness gets to play only two roles, hero or vill- a victim. It is never the villain. So by him crying, it turns him into a victim. Oh, I didn't mean to. No, 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 no. This ain't about what you meant, what you feel, what you think. This ain't about you. You now need to go get therapy to deal with that because that is not my shit. And so people think I'm really harsh um, in my approach. And I, and I, and I intentionally as a strategy, turn it up. I could, I could engage at a five, even a two, but I choose to be a 10 because I need to draw hard lines for white people who've never been told no. So that people like you don't have to deal with this shit so that they can say, well, you know what, if I could deal with Kim, I could deal with anybody. Right. Right. Because you shouldn't, I'm in a position, I have the skills I have the the power and influence to put this to say things. I don't speak for, but I speak on behalf of black black, particularly black women. And the things I say, I'm not alone. I'm not saying it because it's just in my head. I'm saying it because black women on the job have not been able to say this. And another thing, and and when you said this, oh, this 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 is I'm going to be honest. This is a really triggering conversation for me, and it's not. And I don't want you to censor yourself. Because I, I'm emotionally mature to deal with this, but I need white people to understand. Because when you just said what, how he, 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 he did that, it reminded, uh, immediately it's put, put in my mind, black women, slaves, who did what they could to protect their families from white men and women, um, slave owners, and 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 that, like that narrative of Sally Hammonds was his 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 no she was raped, he owned her, and that is a that white people don't want to talk about it they don't want to own it but there's so much about white supremacy that you've been taught that our that black women particularly are in service to you you still own us you own our bodies our minds our thoughts, our production, and this has to stop. So when we stand in our own authenticity, we stand in our own agency, white folks get real upset about that. And yet they want to talk about equality all the time. That's why equality is bullshit. We need equity because when we ask for, and when I say we black, when we ask for the same treatment that white folks get, we're out of our place. We, we need to remember where we are. We, we're overstepping. So no, I don't want the same as you. I want more. Yep. Because only more would con- equal equity for me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's yeah. No, I totally hear you. And the fact that you have the only because you have the lived experience of being a physician, of being a black woman, could you come in and say, "Why are we giving money to organizations to come into black and brown communities who are not black and brown? What is this?" It is incredible if you see. Um, you know, money, you know, I came, yeah, literally the, my, on my first or second day, I sat in a meeting where we were discussing, you know, what organizations were getting funded. And I was like, I know this organization, like that ranked number one, <laughs> like their white led organization, they do not have the capacity to do this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but because they could hire a grant writer, mm-hmm. you know, they could make it mm-hmm. seem as if they could. And then it's just, oh my God, this just reminds me, because again, you know, people, I'm, <laughs> I'm connecting the dots. I'm showing you the systems. Is this not how that pandemic money got passed out? Right, exactly, exactly. Exactly. It's, just, it's just the same structures, it's the, the same, same systems, institutions, and policies. Yes. It's all, it's all across the same industries across across industry yeah. it is it's right the cake the cake was baked everything's all embedded and i feel like the only only way to like ex, you know take it out is just dismantle got to build a new cake mm-hmm. yep. or make a new bake a new cake yep. because we can't like unbake the cake as um i know sonia renee taylor said you can't the, the cake is already made yeah yeah 
and putting a cherry on top or throwing some icing on it does not help. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And that's what I, and that's what I, and then that was another thing I think I realized, like just, you know, working in government, you know, government, which has, histo- you know, historic, historic, I guess over the last few decades has employed large numbers of black people, has been a way for black people in some ways to, to become upwardly mobile in some ways. Um, mm-hmm, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's like, you know, it's oppressive, it's toxic. It, it, it exactly. Embodies- they still have to, they have to, they have yeah, to exactly. toe the line. They can only get promoted or, you know, all those things in leadership in government if they follow white exactly. supremacist and then, rules. You know, the, um, you know, so like think about sense of urgency as like, you know, white supremacist characteristic, everything. City Hall needs mm-hmm. this. We need that. We need this. We need that. And, and you have mm-hmm. to, no matter, no matter where you are, what you're doing, I'm taking my child to school. You have to be responding like this. And I just said, this is not how I want to live. This is like not the existence mm-hmm. I want. And so it's so interesting. You're a physician in public health, and yet your public health, your personal health is not a prioritized, can't be prioritized. The first time I was able to sleep in months without taking a sleep aid was the week after I I finished working there. Okay, I'm going to stop again. Ooh, Oni, man, you are really fucking me up right now. Because that says something that as a physician, you already know sleep aids should not be a dependent for you. Mm-hmm. You're doing public health and in public health. This is why I, mm, this is why I was, oh, I got so sick of people who with the, oh, Medicare for all a bust. I was like, if y'all assholes don't talk about how Medicare for all would cause harm for black folks, um, I don't, just because it's, you, you think universal healthcare is the answer. We, I think most people agree, most people b- agree that folks need health care and that health care should not be tied to a job because that makes absolutely no sense. Right. What right. I disagree with is not having anyone who leads this, these initiatives, as you said, who have the lived experience of being harmed by health care, trying to dictate what that should look like, trying to dictate what that should trying to dictate what that should look like. If you can't talk about, we just said (laughs) that this stuff is baked into everything that we have. If you can't be honest about that, then Medicare for all will cause harm to the most vulnerable because it does not address the systemic issues of the healthcare system at all. All you're doing is replicating. Um, But yeah, it's, it's really, it's, this is stuff that it just... I really want you to, t- t- <clears throat> where I really want to go is, can you talk to uh, me, uh, talk to us, share with us about this, this privileged education you've had? Because very few Black people have had that experience. And I need to, I'm, I want folks, white folks to understand that this does not insulate you from the, from the, Systems of white supremacy. So talk about what it was like to be at Yale and Harvard and even in high school. Right. Just talk about that. Yeah, no, totally, <laughs> totally. And it's, and it's funny, actually, I just had tweeted yesterday, the day before, there was some tweet where someone said, if you're a smart black girl who... Oh, yeah, yeah, who, I saw know, that tweet. Yes. I don't know if you saw that. Like, mm-hmm. retweet if you were a smart black girl and, like, something happened to you. Like, someone didn't believe you or something like that. Yeah, um, it was like if, if your academic um, success was not attributed to you. Yes. That's basically what it is. Where you're accused of lying or whatever right. for your success. Right, right. Yes. and I retweeted that my English teacher... I think we were, I remember we read, we read Beowulf. I had to write some essay on Beowulf. And oh, by Beowulf. 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 And, mm-hmm. and they wanted mm-hmm. me to, um, oh, and I used the word egregious and vicissitudes because I, was, I had written ups and downs and my mom was like, sweetie, change, you know, she my mom would look at my paper. She's like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, change it to vicissitudes, egregious. I looked into the source mm-hmm. um, and the English teacher assumed I had plagiarized because I had used those words. Um you know, and, and it, just stuff like, you know, it's just stuff like that. And, and you know, in, in my class, I went, you know, into Stuyvesant, which is a specialized high school. It's like a science high school. We would take a, a two, a two three-hour test to get in. Um, and I was really proud. It's so funny. I was really proud of myself, and I still am, even though I realized the problematic nature of taking a two- to three-hour test and having that be the sole determinant of admission. Mm-hmm. I got the 201st highest score in the city out of, like, 25,000 students. I was like, I did that, but I'm also like, mm-hmm. this test is so flawed, and it's not yes. anything. 
Yes. Like I get those things. But you know what? What I've found is, and I want to get you, let you get, like, let you get yeah, back yeah. to your story. I've always been able to do that too. I, um, I was, I'm going to be honest. I was trying to get some financial aid when I was in, um, oh, HBCU and they had messed up my financial aid and they were like you know what let's just take the GED because that'll start from scratch you know like um, you know, set you back to yeah. zero I took the whole GED in, in less than three hours and passed it right. and they were like what the hell I was like we learn this we learn because we have to right exactly exactly but go ahead exactly um right yeah so you know in my class i think there were seven or eight hundred students and there are only 30 black students so this is like mm-hmm. in new york city where most you know and there may be 30 Latinos. it's very diverse <laughs> very, very diverse. so we were always i was always used to being like one of a few yep. uh, black students being mm-hmm. called oreo and all that stuff um and then went 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 to Harvard because my mother my mother you know my mother you know even she was still very much like she, my mom went to Harvard Harvard Med and even though she she came back to Central Brooklyn to work at Kings County Hospital um, mm-hmm. and was very much a part of the community was like I want you girls to go to Harvard too mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. We, we went on to Harvard you know and even that was a challenging experience um, I was told I remember my freshman year this white again writing teacher English teacher told me you're never going to get higher than a B in my class because you're a B writer. That's who Mm. you are. And I was like, I left there thinking, just devastated, thinking I couldn't Mm -hmm. even write. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so these are those type of things that just start like chipping away and eroding, mm-hmm. you know, your and, and, and it's always positioned as it's something, a flaw in you. Right. It's never positioned as, you know what, as an educator, I need to rethink, where is that coming from? Why would I say that? What about the systems or my education or my own personal bullshit? Well, tell that to a student. Exactly. Exactly. No, totally. And I always, and the, the way that you turn that around, it's so important because I, I think about that and I'll come back in medicine, mm-hmm. when we say a problem patient or a difficult patient, I'm like, what is it about my training that is allowing me to think that this person is difficult and not having the strategies and the tools to be able to like really engage with this person mm-hmm. in a um, productive way. But going back, yeah, so, sty- so, so Harvard was traumatic. I was a computer scientist, also cl- accused of plagiarism at mm. Harvard. A, a, a friend of mine, we would um, sit next to each other and, do, and we would code, you know, our different computer science experiments. We, we didn't look at, I mean, um, programs. We didn't look at each other's code or anything it like that. It doesn't matter because everything, damn near everything in, in, in tech now is copy and paste. Yeah. So the fact that somebody would get accused of plagiarizing code is As, bullshit. Yeah, I was accused of plagiarizing code. Um, and even at, 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 again at Harvard had, had a number of young black men that I knew kind of disappear Mm -hmm. um, and wonder what happened to them. And because some academic issue, the ad board met, administrative board and determined that they had cheated, blah, 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 blah. But it always just seemed like a disproportionate number. And I just Mm -hmm. was like, Mm -hmm. um, And also I want to talk, just put this in, not just copying and pasting code from a stack overflow or whatever, Pair programming is a major form of efficiency and effectiveness right. Right. in the only coding. Number of like permutations or ways that you could probably, you know, what I mean, like things are going to be similar. Yeah. Like you're solving the same problem. So yeah, yeah. Totally, exactly. But solving them together is the most effective right. way oh, to do totally. it. Yeah. And for that to be considered plagiarism, it's, but go ahead. So, no, so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think you know being part of these, you know, so being right. So being at Harvard, obviously, you know, like I had a Gore, Al Gore, when his daughters in my class. You know, obviously, you're with you're with people who have you know, substantial privilege. And then even among the black folk too, a lot of black folk are upper yep. middle class black folk. Yeah. Um, They're right. And so you don't have a lot of folk who are um, middle-class, maybe from families that may have had lo- lower incomes. So there's, there, there wasn't mm-hmm. a, a great deal of diversity among the black people that were there, which is, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it, it is what it is. Um, and then going on, to Harvard Medical School. <laughs> medical school is the same thing. It's like you're in the, the ivory tower, sort of this bastion um, of privilege. And you can't help but be bathed in that because you breathe mm-hmm. it every day. And mm-hmm. that you're there, it means that in some way you buy into it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, no, no. I, I tell people every day, white, right, white people are racist by design. That is what the system is designed to do. But we all need to be doing anti-racist right. work. Because we all have some form of internalized white supremacy and anti-blackness we right. need to deal with. And, and, and I say that about my com- our community all yes. the time. Um, we, the, 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 the drive or the, we have been trained uh, 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 um, to believe that by assimilating, 
and, and which uh, comes with a lot of anti-blackness to those people who are quote unquote beneath us. Um, we will get to that place. We will, you know, we will finally get this, this, you know, the brass ring and the brass ring just always gets pulled, pulled out of in front of us or just a little yeah. bit more. And I see it happening to so often is Serena Williams. She is the epitome of black, content, mm. yeah. <laughs> you know, in the hood, playing tennis, braids, hair standing all over her head to where she is. And every time she shows up as greatness, they move the line. But she didn't do that. They, but, but, they, but, and yet the mediocre white folks who never win a, a tournament get all the advertising, work, you know, all that. It is that thing that happens to us. And that is something, but since black people are not my target owners, I don't talk about our stuff. We, we gonna deal with our stuff in our community. White folks don't need to be listening in and on right. that. Uh, you don't need to be voyeurs because you do enough of that. And that's why I had to leave the health department because it's so funny. The person, uh, the person I was seeing, um, someone very special in my life last year, who I was seeing was like, this, this person is so, this man is average. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. But I thought, like, exactly. So I, they get so mad mediocre, at me because I say mediocre, unremarkable but, white man. They get yeah. so triggered by the word mediocre when they, if you look in the, it's a, it's, it's a synonym for average, but they don't have a problem with the word average. I want to turn it up a notch. You are mediocre and unremarkable because, yeah. because and, and this yeah. is why. And Not only do you have the systems, institutions, and policies of white supremacy helping you, right? So you got a leg up. So you get to get on the ladder first, but you also have those same systems preventing other people from getting on the ladder with you. Exactly. And you know what? I think about myself, like with these degrees, like having two Harvard degrees and a Yale degree, like, look, I sh- like if I were a white man, I'd probably, be <gasps> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I just think about, mm-hmm. and I think, and, 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 and I, in my head. You'd be running your own organization. Exactly. Exactly. You'd be getting money thrown at you. All kinds. Yes. Exactly. Just, just with the paper. Exactly. That you paper. wouldn't have to know shit. You wouldn't have to know. You wouldn't have to demonstrate exactly. just with the paper. There's an assumption that you're smart enough mm-hmm. that you got the paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the crazy part of it, you know, people see us and they think that we've somehow been given, you know, a free ticket in or something. Not knowing oh my that, God. Right. Oh, yeah. And that we work. Oh, our affirmative action means that they're lowering exactly, the bar for us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm like you. And I'm thinking about, you know, as, you know, as time, time goes on, I'm just like, wait a minute. I, I'm brilliant. I am smart. Like this yes. didn't happen by accident. I'm now ready to articulate and to publicly share my need to shift from causing the scene. Currently this work, this push for equity, for minimizing harm, and for prioritizing the most vulnerable is collectively viewed by many as noise, bullying, troublemaking, as contrarian for controversy's sake, rather than what it is, a necessary evolution for the overall health and well-being of those who work for us, partner with us, buy from us, invest in us, and society as a whole. My focus from this day forward is to forge a path to welcoming and psychological safety in systems, institutions, and policies at scale because I will no longer put new wine into old wineskins. My team and I will be spending the next few months making the necessary changes to ensure that my new commitment to doing the proactive work of leading a movement framed by the guiding principles and seen through an anti-racist lens strategically happens with a relaunch on Juneteenth. To be kept informed of our progress, please follow me on Twitter at K-I-M-C-R-A-Y-T-O-N-1, Kim Creighton 1, and on our new Kim Creighton's Community Cafe Discord server. When I started Hashtag Cause a Scene in 2019, it was out of my frustration that no one was listening. Now that you're listening, it's time to get to work. Thank you for the years of support, and I'll meet you on the other side. Have a wonderful day. I am smart. Like this didn't happen by accident. Like I have so much, and I don't. And I also have like emotional intelligence, not just like yes, academic. Yes, yeah, and that's what I tell people. I was like, if you see a black person in the white space, know that they are better than your average white person.
You know I mean, because they what they've had to do just to get in the space, just to get in the space. We have been told I tell people all the time, white folks get to be individuals, black folks. And this is why you're, I'm going to tell you and you probably know this. This is why your mom kept even in her last letters said, keep going, because we have to represent our community. We are we are black. We don't get to be individuals. Yes, our yes. behavior reflects our community. If we fuck up, it might it messes up opportunities for people behind us. Who needs that kind of weight? Oh my goodness. It's such a, it's such a weight to carry. And it's interesting because my dad had asked, my dad's from the Caribbean, um, from Jamaica, but he, and he had asked us, he said, girls, can you apply? When we were applying to high school, I have a twin sister. So my twin sister and I were applying. He said, can you, can you girls, um, you know, at least apply to one or two HBC, historically black, um, colleges and university HBC. So, Mm -hmm. Um, I think we applied to one, we applied to Spelman and then actually our guidance counselor, white Jewish woman convinced us to switch it to Stanford. Um, my dad was so heartbroken, but how the hell is that? A HBC? No, no, but no, no. She, we, we applied to Spelman and then she said, she said, take Spelman off Stanford. See, that's what I'm saying. Why <laughs> would she see right, see right exactly. there, right there. Right. No, exactly. no, no, she was I'm like, just saying that, like, that, know, that right there. Yeah, she, she hadn't, there weren't people from my school. I don't know in how many years who had gone to Spelman. So, you know, for her, it was like, why would you want to apply there? You know, and mm-hmm. we were just like, okay, ooh, Harvard, Stanford, whatever. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, but, but, but mm-hmm. in retrospect, I was actually talking to my sister yesterday and I said, I was, I said, you know what, you know, Uche, I was talking to, um, wait a minute. Is your sister the person I see yeah, you responding to on Twitter? Oh my God. See, okay, see, see, people are so confused. <laughs> We're about to, we're about, ah! Okay, so stop it because I've seen her and I get confused because I know yeah, you follow, follow me you? and I see her picture. No, and I see your picture. I follow her, but I see your picture and I'm like, no, it's not the same person. I but know, it but never hit me that you were twins. Like kind of unique last name. That's why I was getting, that's why yeah, I was yeah. getting confused. No, a lot of people, a lot of people are confused. I'm like, no, like, and, and, and my patients are always like, Dr. Block's like, I just saw you on TV. I'm like, no, no, that's my sister. Um, yeah, 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 that's my twin. Oh, my so, <laughs> that's so funny. So I was, yes. Because that's how I find so much of her. That's how I found her, I think, from you. Yes, And yes. I started following you. And I mean, started following her. And then I'll see you responding. Well, and then I'm thinking, and then... <laughs> Yeah, well, not respond to herself because the name right, is not right, exactly yeah. the right, so, correct. Yeah. I mean, the same. So I was like, okay, this is, but when I see you or her, yeah, I yeah, get confused. We're, we're twins. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if we're, we're, I don't think we're identical. I think we're fraternal, but we like look very similar. Oh, you look so much, yeah, like so much like sisters. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was yeah. talking to her yesterday because, um, you know, this friend of mine was telling me at, um, at Spelman, when a when a when a classmate's mother died, they had tour buses go down, full of students go down with her oh, to, to mm-hmm. the mom's funeral. People were taking care of her, everything. You know, and our mom died when we were at Harvard, and you know, we didn't. I mean, it was so hard to even get professors to give us like time off or extensions and things like mm-hmm. that. And I I was telling mm-hmm. my sister, but my sister started crying when I told her. I said they had poor. Tour. She's like, we I said we would have had so much more support. We were so alone when my mom died. But that's because whiteness doesn't understand community. We do. Exactly, 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 mm-hmm. exactly. So in retrospect, I wish I followed my dad's my dad's yeah, advice and, yeah. and went to because, <laughs> um, and, and Yeah, because um, the, the, when, 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 in yes, those moments, yes. that's when we come together. It may, it may get messy. It may get whatever. But we, Black folks, Always. are community. Ex- we, that is, we have, exactly. oh, that's the only way we exactly. could have survived it's, it's this crap. We're going to survive these next however. I mean, it's all, yeah, and, as we move forward, too, because this man is not going to leave the White House. So, <laughs> Girl, uh, and that's what I tell Black folks. Uh, get prepared. Get Do whatever you need to do right now. Find your community. Yes. Find your network. Because we are the most vulnerable, and they're going to aim for us, and we yes. need to be able to yes. be able to yes. shelter yes. So each other. That is exactly yes. it. Um, so, yeah, so, like, yeah, so being in these environments um mm-hmm. yes my twin yeah, yes so my so my twin and i we went to Stuyvesant together we went to harvard together we went to harvard med together at least you had her can you imagine doing this by yourself oh my goodness no such a gift but but, but in so many ways because we didn't have um you know an a extensive network it's it, it's been 
challenging for us. Like it has affected our mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something that we're going to be working on as we move forward. I actually had a session with my therapist this past weekend where we talked about, you know, when you, when you're all you have, when you're all each other yes. has, how it, it becomes, how it can be it hard to be very, authentic yes. with each other because you don't want to um, jeopardize that. Yes. And so we've yes. had to, we've, she and I have like sugar coated and walked tiptoed mm-hmm. around things instead of being real mm-hmm. because we're so, so scared. you take the, so it takes that family because if that's your only tie, you, and you, you you try to do nothing to jeopardize exactly. that. Exactly, yep. and, and, and yep. where that has left, left us on a superficial level in many ways. Oh, no, okay, so yes, but let me tell you why this brings, I'm glad, oh, this is, I tell y'all people, I never know where these fucking conversations are going, but I love talking to black women. Um, this reminds me of what I, why I say white people who have black children um, need to be very mindful of that because that I see as abusive. I see the potential for harm and abuse of those young people, um, black kids. So mm, it's in my face because if you, because I, I came, I've been processing this whole aha I had that family is the first place that we learn to call abuse love. And as a black child with black, one or two black parents, um, when you come home dealing from a, a gaslighting or some traumatic racial experience and you get told, you know, the conversation is everything but it's because you're black. <laughs> um, you're gaslighting that child. You're causing harm because you you're discounting their lived experience just because you can't connect to it. Or when they bring it up, you start crying like you just said. Um, and it be, you center your whiteness in their pain. They're dealing with pain. And now they don't come to you because they don't want to hurt mommy and daddy. They don't want you to feel bad about what they're dealing with. So this is my PSA. If you are a white person, if you birth or adopted a black child, please, you, it is your job to ensure that they have authentic black folks in their lives that they can come to, to for assistance with this that does not... Um, have to that they don't have to go that you're not a barrier to they should you shouldn't be gatekeeping those relationships these young people need black people to teach them to to affirm the experiences they're having because this shit is real it, no totally it is it is and um when we're in a more precarious position right the less support that we have no agree because also my mom passed my mom passed away when i was in college and then my aunt my mom's sister my, my mother's mother um, did the best that she can, but she inflicted a lot of trauma on my mom and her siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. my aunt also had a lot of like psychiatric issues. Now, now we're, she's no longer in our life. She was a second mother. So my mm-hmm. sister and I just have, mm-hmm. you know, have each other. She, I actually went through a divorce last year. My sister um, is dealing with her situation. But all that to say is that mm-hmm. we are trying to work on building our, our community, our community up, not just for mm-hmm. ourselves, but for our yeah. children. Um, so that we don't re-trauma, repeat, repeat the traumas. That. And yes. I don't, you know, I don't, my mom, my mom being like going to medical school, I was, she should have been like, girls, stop everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you, I know I'm one of the most, most important person in your life and I'm dying. I've died. You found this letter. Please stop. Take a, take a few years, mm-hmm. do whatever you need to mm-hmm. do. I wish she had mm-hmm. said that, but, but I think she just, she did what she thought was the best. Almost she, definitely. Because again, w- let's be honest. Until recently, I mean, my mom has been is a, is a brilliant woman who has allowed white supremacy to tell her otherwise. Um, and, and, and I spent most of my childhood propping her up because of, you know, being she's being gaslit at, at work mm-hmm. and just trying. I mean, I was always and only in white spaces mm-hmm. because she wanted me to be what now we call exposed. Right. And now I see as not exposure. It is white supremacy. It is assimilation. Right. Um, and yet she knew at the time that that was the best thing for me, um, particularly being a black girl from Atlanta. I mean, I, I, I had experiences that my black friends didn't have because of that. And I so appreciate it, but let's be honest. It's only now that we are able to have these conversations. No one's openly taught has talked about this stuff period in my life. Yes. No, it's, no, it's, it's so true. I, and I think we just get so indoctrinated and we think, we just are socialized to think, this, to think that this is what we're supposed to do. These are the expectations that people have. And but this we just, is the norm. There is no, it's not, it's, 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 it, we are taught that there is no other option. This is the path. Right. You as a black person want success, you have to fight. And no one ever says it's whiteness, but that's right. what, exactly what it right. is. It's whiteness. Right. 
and part of that, you know, obviously, you know, with white supremacy is also cis heteropatriarchy. And so from, for myself, like I, you know, I was married to um, a, a cisgender heterosexual black man. Um, mm-hmm. I assumed that like, you know, as a cisgender woman, that that's who I'm supposed to like love and be romantically and be attracted to and everything. And then like, sort of like, <laughs> this is like going on a whole nother thing, but like, just in, just in terms of expectations, you know, that I was supposed to get, you know, I got my degree, I got my, my condo and now I'm supposed to find a black man to marry <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, have, and have a family mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, not tuned into the fact that I'm like, also queer, which is like solely crazy, just totally crazy. Because I remember in medical school, like having like some weird feelings for like a friend of mine who was a cisgender woman who was kind of boyish. And I just thought that was kind of weird. I was like, that doesn't make any sense because of this narrative that I'm, I'm supposed to be with a cisgender mm-hmm. man. I like kind of, mm-hmm. and I, I, it wasn't until a few years ago that I looked back and I was like, what was that? And then, and then sort of slowly, mm-hmm. um, sort of coming into like my authentic self and really understanding who I was realizing mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I'm totally queer. I just hadn't been around a lot of like masculine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Masculine center. There were no masculine <laughs> center um, or masculine presenting black women in any of my training. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wasn't around mm-hmm. folks that I actually end up realizing that I am actually attracted to because they weren't in those spaces. Yeah. And what's interesting is, and this is why I keep telling people, white no one, even white people, escape white supremacy unharmed because it has a very narrow yeah. way of uh, allowing us to show yeah. up. And so I, this is, okay, okay, so woo, so we're about to have a conversation because my whole, not, mm, my heist, it, it mostly started, I, I don't think it was in high school because again, there were no... Um, I went to mainly school white people. So there was nothing attractive <laughs> to me about that. Um, um, but when I was in college and beyond, I kept, I, I thought I would have thoughts of, am I gay? I, I mean, I really, and thankfully my mom was there to, to have these, you know, was open enough to have, I mean, my mom was the person, if my friend needed an abortion, she was taking them to the clinic. That's, that's the, yeah, that's the kind of mom that you don't have to tell your mama, I got you, let's go. Um, that's the kind of mom I had. Um, and so, so it was those conversations. I mean, I actually had a relationship with a woman, but it wasn't because I was attracted to her. It was at a point in my life when I said, universe, I want to experience true authentic love and wh- however you, whatever you, how you send that. I want to experience it. So I couldn't, when it showed up as a black woman, couldn't say, oh, but that's not it um, because of the package. But I also knew be, doing that, oh, I'm not gay. I, do, I am attracted mm-hmm. to men. And yet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm about love mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and who shows up. So the man that, 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 that is the closest thing to a relationship I have right now is a, is a black man who's, travels a lot who's in the military we don't we rarely mm-hmm. see each other we ver- rarely even talk and it's so funny because what because my friends are like but that wouldn't work for me and that's just so and I'm just like you know what he's like that friend that that that's who has your heart you know you have those girlfriends you don't have to speak for five mm-hmm. years and you come back together and it's like nothing happened that's who he is in right. my life right exactly yes that's, that's who he is in my life he and and he and the, how his life is has allowed me to show up as a black woman with those same characteristics and not say as a black woman, I need to show up at this, that, this, that, and other. I need to pussyfoot around my telling people what my expectations are. No, he's very clear, uh, th- you know, and he'll drop off the grid and you can get upset about it if you want to, but that's his life and that's his job. And that's, you know what it is. And that's how I've learned to encompass. So I, I and it's so funny because it's only recently that I've said, okay, I wanted to cultivate the more feminine nature in me. Mm-hmm. And it's not about wearing heels and makeup or where it's, I, I really saw imbalance in myself because I was, I was very masculine mm-hmm. in how I dealt with things and how I approach people and, and situations. And I, I, and I saw that imbalance. I was like, okay, I want to cultivate um, that, those feminine characteristics just for spirituality purposes right. for myself. Yeah. But I'll, I I so get what you're saying because we're not allowed, particularly black folks, until recently, 
We're right. not allowed. We weren't allowed to have those conversations or even it is the default that everybody's heterosexual. No one talks about <laughs> that. There is something else. No, totally. I know my dad, my dad was like completely thrown for a loop. You know, the older Caribbean man. And yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he would, he said to me, oh, because I ended up actually posting on Facebook, like for New Year's Eve, for New Year's, like two years ago, I think. And I was like, oh, that's, I've like, there's so many things. This year has been such an awakening for me. There's so many things that I've learned. You know, I gave a talk in front of thousands of people. I did this, I did that. Oh, and the, probably, most importantly is I realized I'm queer. I mean, I'm like, you know, I've like come to terms of accepted that I'm queer. And, you know, I thanked a number of yeah. friends for like being yeah. supportive along the journey and everything. And my dad like called me the next day and he's like, what's going on? Are you okay? He unfriended me on Facebook. Because <laughs> he didn't want other people to see it? Wait, wait, which I didn't know because I think he was so like, it was like too much oh, for wow. him. He like unfriended me. And um, and then he says to me something like, oh, I thought that that might be going on because you, I noticed you were posting a lot more articles on your Facebook about gay people. <laughs> and I'm like, you're the, what? Like that makes, that's just like so simple. But um, but yeah, you know, like in his head, I don't think, I think it was just like mind boggling to him that I could potentially be queer. I mean, I'm attracted to men. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm attracted to men. I just think other people who are not, men mm-hmm. who are masculine or are more attractive mm-hmm. um but he was just like it was just mind-blowing but I but I think what's been really wonderful is like I just you know as I left left this job as there are just so many aspects of my life that I'm like realizing like this is who I am and it was always there it was always inside of me the answer was always there I just needed to kind of mm-hmm. like declutter mm-hmm. so I'm cluttering like divorcing like <laughs> yes 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 okay so i'm gonna tell you you just hit another thing this is why i like taking weed gummies <laughs> oh my goodness i ran out of my weed gummies they were also helping me with sleep so i need to get some more you're right oh i love uh, this is what i love and see i'm in a state where it's not legal so i have to do all kinds of stuff when i went to california i came back with so much shit it was ridiculous nice. um, but i just start because what it does is when you talk about layers when when i'm in that euphoric moment of when I'm in, in that space, mm-hmm. my thoughts, oh, the, uh, the first layer of thinking goes away and I can get really underneath some real good thoughts. Um, and it's something that it could be something that I've thought about for years. And for the first time, that layer of the things I've been thinking about, it's like a skin. It comes off and I'm like, oh, there's so much. This is why I tell people, this is why I call whiteness ignorant. And, and, and I don't, and, I, and I'm like, I don't give a fuck about your opinions because fundamentally there's so much more about ourselves that we don't know than we do know, let alone what we try to project onto other people. Yes. Yeah. So, so it, is, it is really interesting to, to, to and, and I don't find many people taking those steps to really self-reflect like that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think, you know, with the white folks, it's... Um, they're so caught, it's the, all the intellectualization, like they're just so caught up in up here in the thinking. Everything's the binary. Everything, yeah, every, yep. Everything's binary mm-hmm. Every and everything's like in their mind. There's no like the whole mind heart, mm-hmm. you know, which exists yeah. in like so oh, many I, cultures. They, 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 they lack humanity. Whiteness is lacking humanity. And, and right, right. to do anti-racist work is not yes. to save you and I. It is for them save, to reclaim exactly. their humanity. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, right. So, right. Was when you say like we are all harmed by it, white people have to understand how they are dehumanized mm-hmm. by their mm-hmm. investment um, in whiteness and their complicity in it. No, exactly. Um, yeah. So I. Yeah. I think. But I think you know it's like sort of severing severing these connections to these systems, extracting ourselves. Like I feel like I'm saving myself yes. by not yes. being like. Sure, I had like a, a much better salary, but I also am like I don't actually have to spend the way I was spending money before yeah. because some of it was also like I'm so stressed. I'm eating out mm-hmm. now. I don't have to eat out as much because I'm home. I can buy food. I can actually try new recipes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Try to do more plant based vegan stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean. Like I can actually spend time on myself, spend time with my child, um, as opposed to like trying to figure out how to make the system work. Yes. Yes. So at this point, I'm just like, uh, you know what? The system has going to have to work around me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's just it. Uh, and and if it breaks in the process, then that's a bonus. (laughs) exactly and I think also you know I don't have to deal and I've heard other black people say this too like not having to go into a workspace with white folk where they're like daily attacks on my humanity it is a mental gymnastics to come into yes yes, 
And so being at home now, like I... Even just do even during shelter in place, that was much better. Oh, not that was I was, I was built for that shit. That was built for that. I was like, <laughs> I know, I was like, I know, I know, this is a struggle for a lot of people, but I'm like, hey. exactly. But um, yeah, yeah. So and and then now to like not even have to be dealing with a lot of that, um, and or, and choosing, and I'm sure it's the same for you as you choose to work with whatever whatever clients you work with, you can figure out, you know, what are the situations I want to put myself in? What were the people that I want to work with? Oh, most definitely. When when um, I've gotten to a point now where um, so I'm getting all these you know everybody wants to be an anti-racist right. something anti-racist yes. company or whatever and i'm 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 definitely at the point where in the emails i make a decision to move forward if based on the emails but what i do if i move decide not to i want to make sure they understand why because i don't want them to think oh it's on me no 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 so i tell them in the email um, thank you for reaching out. Your email is problematic because of A, B, and C, and I will not be working with you because of that. Have a great day. Um, I'm not trying to change the world. I'm not trying to convince you or convert you. That is, that was, that's what burns us out. Yeah. I'm not trying to, everybody is not my client. Yes. Everybody's not my client. And the people who are my client are, are understand that um, I'm in the role of the expert. And that's what I really tell in these emails. They come to, and, and, you're coming to me as an expert, but you think you already solved your problem. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I ain't got time for that because you're going to cause me. I don't do bullshit because I used to put a bullshit tax on people because it was just like, I don't have to do that anymore. Yes. I don't, I, I, I don't, because even to deal with you, the tax doesn't cost, it's, it's not enough. Right, it's not worth it. Yeah, it's not worth it. Oh my God, this has been an amazing conversation. Oh, great. Ah, what would you like to say in the end? Uh, you and I aren't going to have to have to do virtual hangout. We got, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. What I want to say, yeah, I think, you know, I just want this for all black women. Like, I just want us all, I just, this, your, the, the audience is primarily white folk, but like, I just want us to be able to like have the space um, and the support to be able to, to be who we truly are mm-hmm. and not have to exist within these very like restrictive and as you said, like binary systems. Um, and I think to like your white listeners, like, you know, just, you know, just make this think it's just like stepping back and thinking about what this might be like for us to exist um in all with with all these constraints to who we really are and how exhausting that must be and how like because those constraints are only there to keep you comf- keep them comfortable exactly it's, a, it's for it's not for us it's, it benefits us in no way it is all for their comfort and, exactly and what i realize is they don't ultimately like you can't experience when you're being dehumanized, you can't be happy. Like mm-hmm. you can't be happy. You can't experience love. You can't experience joy. Like they are, there's a much better life that they could also be living. Yes. Um, and I think white people need to realize that, like, it's not just like black, they're fine. And black people were the ones suffering. Like mm-hmm. we're all suffering in, mm-hmm. in different ways. Yes. 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 This has been an amazing conversation. I always say I never know where we're going. And thank I want to thank you so much for being thank so you. transparent and just and just taking this this windy <laughs> path to me because I didn't know we were gonna end up and disclosing so much about yourself, which uh, f- triggered some things in me that allowed me to feel safe enough to disclose as well. So I really appreciate this conversation. This was amazing. Thank you so much, Kim. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Cause the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Cause the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Cause the Scene community. Just visit the website at HashtagCauseTheScene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Cause the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.